support for this podcast comes from Staffing Future. Nowadays, your recruitment website needs to do more than just validate your business. Websites are your digital front door, where new clients and great talent should come knocking. So do you want your recruitment website to stand out from the crowd, generate new business leads and placement revenue? If that's a yes, then talk to Staffing Future, the recruitment website and technology experts. Get a free website and technology stack review and competitor analysis today. Just visit staffingfuture.com slash rules. What great ideas are so close within your grasp? Seeing other points of view, anticipating change, considering multiple possible turnouts, acknowledging uncertainty, searching for compromise. We're going to talk about how to get over those limiters of innovation so that you can extract better thinking from yourself and your team. So let's talk about how to win the future. Welcome to the Marketing Rules Podcast from Thinking Circles. With me, your host, James Whitelock. The past year has been a fast track of technology usage, from tech to accommodate home working to cybersecurity. But who have been the beneficiaries, and what does the technology recruitment landscape look like for the next few years? Joining me this week is Melissa France, Director of Technology at Networkers, part of Gattaca PLC. Ironically, we had some technical issues during the recording, so apologies for some of the poor audio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Marketing Rules Podcast, and I am joined today by Melissa France from Gattaca, who is the Director of Technology at Gattaca, which is you know, a pretty cool, cool job title, if ever there was one. Um, Melissa, it is an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast today. How are you doing? I'm very well. Thank you very much for having me. Oh, you're welcome. Um, maybe to kind of kick us off, it is worth kind of having a little bit of uh, giving us a bit of background about yourself and your kind of journey into recruitment, because what you tend to find is that everyone's kind of journey into recruitment is a little bit different. Most people fall into it. That's usually the way. But it would be great to hear kind of your story and how you got to uh, working at, at Gattaca. Okay, I will I will try and keep it brief because um, I've been in recruitment an awfully long time. It's over 20 years. So I think I deserve a medal for that in the first place. Um, so I didn't I'm, I'm a non-graduate, uh, which is actually kind of unusual nowadays. But I didn't really know what I wanted to do when I was at school and and didn't do particularly brilliantly in my A-levels. Um, I was quite lazy, to be honest. Um, and I left school and I got a job. And it was okay. And I still didn't really know what I wanted to do. And then I met a guy who played in my brother's rugby team a year or so in. And he was like, I think you'd be brilliant at recruitment. Come and get an interview. And it was literally that. So I joined um, a company called Montrose, which back in the day was the biggest construction and property agency that were acquired by Hayes to add that skill set into their specialisms. Um, And it was a baptism, baptism of fire. Um, it was pretty hardcore. Uh, people talk about old school recruitment. It was definitely old school recruitment. Um, but I was there for eight years and it was, you know, it was absolutely brilliant, brilliant training, brilliant culture, really fantastic people. And I really, really enjoyed it. And, and that was it really. Like I've, I've not really looked back since, um, I I've moved, um, a few times since, since Hayes days, I didn't become a lifer. I know lots of people that are still there from, from back in the day. Um, but I suppose I hit a point where it was just a really, really big organization and I wanted something a bit smaller. And 
a lot of the stuff I did at Hayes was was around building new things or turning things around that weren't quite working. That's their kind of ethos. If something's not quite working, they try and move their best people into into that area. Um, and so the next probably two or three roles I had were all, all turnaround pieces, like walking into teams that for whatever reason, things weren't quite working for them. Um, and, 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 you know, hiring great people and, and trying to get them working. So that, that was all, all good. Um, I hit a point in, in 2013, which seems like quite a long time ago now, eight years ago, um, where I looked at the construction and property market and it is a phenomenal market. Um, but it's really spiky and it's really susceptible to market conditions. And it's really the margins have eroded over the years. And I just thought there's got to be more to this. And I was really interested in, in looking at other sectors. And an opportunity landed in my lap to go and look at and learn how to invest, invest in recruitment businesses. And the reason why I was sort of picked, I suppose, is because I just scaled a business. I trebled a business in two and a half years and, and they were looking for somebody who could grow at pace. And it was all about starting up, incubator environment, really exciting um there was it was sector agnostic um and then for the next five years I invested in recruitment businesses which sounds really really sexy um in reality it's just finding great people that that want to build something for themselves and then teaching them how to do it ideally in the best way from from startup so that um they don't sort of fall to the perils of what a lot of recruitment businesses fall to later on so it's trying to structurally get them right um and that was brilliant. Like I've started over 20 recruitment businesses or, or acquired or, you know, rebuilt, I suppose, some of them. Um, and really, really enjoyed that and just could see that the, the biggest opportunities I could see in recruitment was technology. And when I came out of that time frame, I was looking for a pure technology play business that wanted to go through high growth. And Networkers, which is part of Gattaca, was an acquisition. And um at the time, it wasn't working perfectly, so that kind of played to my skill set. So that's how I've ended up where I am. Quite a long, rambling story, but um, yeah, many, many years doing lots of different things. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. If you'd like to know how Thinking Circles can help your recruitment marketing, then visit www.thinkincircles.com. Your kind of role at um, uh, is it is it with the whole of the Gattaca Group or is it just within certain brands you're kind of currently working? So Gattaca is, is a bit of a minefield because it's got several brands. So yeah. it, it was initially created as a part of Match Tech, and Match Tech's areas of real skill set expertise are, are, are really sectoral, so they're within industries. So they've got really big infrastructure offering within civils and, and rail engineering predominantly but not all um, they've got a really strong market presence within the defense and aerospace and mobility sectors and they always did technology but never really in the purest um, technology sense so that's why they acquired networkers hmm. and what's hmm. happened as a result of that is that as a business um, our offering to market is everything within stem and i look after a couple of sectors within technology that are fairly substantial if you like so the job title probably is is sounds better than it maybe is. Um, and uh, is technology something you've always kind of been interested in, or is it 
you know, you said you identified it kind of at one point that there was, this is kind of an area of growth, let's say, you know, that's somewhere that it's going to kind of be a driver for recruitment. Um, and so is it, and is it almost like a means to an end or do you generally kind of like, are you, I mean, were you always interested in technology, you know, because it, um, it's one of those things that I think you either kind of get into or you don't, or you, you can, you, you can't really, um, fudge your interest in it, right? It's kind of, it's, it, there's, there's so much to learn. Absolutely. I think, I think just from my own personal perspective, I'm, I'm an adopter. I, I, I'm not the person that has the latest bit of kit of absolutely everything, but I love how things can help us. I think, I think my interest has, has grown the more I've got involved. So I wouldn't say that I, I set out to work with software developers when I started out. I don't think that would have been the case. But I think now, the more you see and the more innovation that happens, and especially the last 12 months, you know, how technology has enabled the world to suddenly go remote overnight and, you know, and how businesses have, have had, it's actually, you know, it's made and broken businesses, hasn't it, in the last year. Um, for me, it's just so massively interesting, and I just think that there's so much, so much more that we haven't, haven't, you know, innovated yet. So, really interested. So, it's interesting. You picked up on a point about the kind of remote working, and obviously how people, you know, from fact that we're recording this over Zoom. What are the other kind of tech changes that you've kind of spotted over the last year? Because there has been lots of discussion around that things have kind of like we've progressed like 10 years ahead of ourselves basically where we would have where it would have taken you know how long to kind of get to this point but is anything else that you've kind of noticed or any of the other trends that you've seen over the last year that um are worth sharing i think um i think what's what's really interesting is that, that the amount of funding that's going into technology at the moment is significant and and that's probably only increased i think what's been What's been very interesting, like the clamour to get online as a result of the last 12 months has just seen, you've seen spikes in certain areas. Um, but I also think that when you look at it, you look at there's been so many winners and losers. You look at companies that didn't have an online presence and how it's affected them and, and what they're trying to achieve out of it. That, that's been been really noticeable. I think from from my own personal perspective, you know, the business that I was in was, was in all the right areas, but probably the guys weren't being true to themselves about how specialists they were. And when COVID first hit, I looked at the areas that were going to be sustained, like in terms of demand, but also were only going to grow as a result of, and figured that that was the way we needed to focus and really, really niche down. And that's been absolutely paramount throughout the pandemic. Um, we picked probably we picked four growth areas or areas that we wanted specialise in that we could see growth and would, would, would see us through the pandemic. Um, and that's holding true to form. And that's that's software engineering for sure, mm-hmm. um, particularly on the front end because everything went online. Um, but interestingly, what we're seeing now is that companies are looking much more for people that have got um, a broader technology level of experience that that can do more full stack and we, we weren't necessarily seeing that a year ago um and i think that's that's just because partly because of, of the remoteness but also you know they they want people that can adapt and provide knowledge across a much broader area than maybe they they did when people were sat sat in the office so we've definitely seen a difference in that so we've got i've got teams focused on front and back end but they heavily collaborate across full stack roles, which we're seeing much more of now. 
Um, and then we we looked at carbon infrastructure for the obvious reasons. <laughs> um, on-premise solutions aren't, aren't weren't really and aren't really an option going forward. Um, and cybersecurity, again, for obvious reasons, there's been so many breaches in the last 12 months. Um, and, you know, again, all of those were probably growth markets, but I think specifically this last year's exacerbated that. And then the other area that we've we've started probably a bit late to the party focusing on is data. And that's just not going anywhere. <laughs> Everything yeah. is data driven now. Um, and has that had uh, a... How has that reflected on how you recruit? You know, have has 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 there been changes in that that you've kind of made? You don't have to go into too much detail because you don't want to give away any obviously competitive advantages. But but is there anything that you've had to change? Obviously, your team must be working from home, but there must be other things that you've had to kind of just like upskill and just kind of get on top of just as much as you're um, you're working with your your customers. I think. Um... I think the, the most challenging thing from a really human element is actually is is managing getting that online or remote management right. Um, and I've definitely not got it all right because understanding how much contact is enough without it being too much or people feeling isolated. And I think, you know, you you don't know everyone's in a very different position. I think lockdown for me has been quite a positive experience because I've been able to spend a lot more time with my family than I was ever I've ever been able to before. Whereas, you know, I had I had members of my team that were sitting in at home on their own for months on end. That's really tough. Um so it's about it's about trying, you know, I've definitely found that probably the biggest challenge about getting the amount of contact right. And I think, you know, the the other challenges, especially in a sales environment, and even this week, we're you know we're implementing a new CRM in the office. You can just say, "Sorry, did you show me that again? What happened?" The speed of getting people up and running or helping people from a development perspective, it's slower because it just re- always requires another Zoom call or another Teams call to probably box off something that would have taken a minute in the office. And that's definitely what we found harder for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's a really human element, actually, rather than necessarily the technology elements. But we've what have we adapted? We've um, we've definitely done a lot more from a video perspective with with our clients and candidates. And, you know, we found also because people are at home, being able to meet them virtually has been a lot easier than it was prior. You know, getting a meeting with a client could take a few months. You, you can do that in a day. Um, so those things have been really, really positive, And we've tried to utilize them in the recruitment process. Um, a lot more yeah um and looking at the kind of landscape today based on the last kind of 12 months you know is there stuff that you think now is is with us forever you know is and obviously the the home working and a remote working you know there's discussions about you know is this long is this going to be long term or how's that going to happen but beyond that do you think there's stuff that that have kind of that have come into play that's we're we're now that's not that's never going to change now that's it we've we've made that shift um i think you know talking purely recruitment i think interview processes i can't believe that we're not going to keep that online element that virtual element of them because it's a speed point i think from a technology perspective the clients that are more innovative about how they interview are getting the better candidates we're back in a candidate short market, and that happened so quickly. Um, there's some clients that still want really lengthy technical test processes that candidates just don't want to do. 
Um, and then there's clients that have adapted that and are trying to do tests collaboratively with candidates and see how they think and are getting them through the process and getting a pick of the bunch. So it's, 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 I think it's definitely changed that. Whereas I think before, because it was everything we did ended up being face to face pretty much. Um, you didn't have that innovation there that, that, that they're starting to use. So I don't think that's going to go away anytime soon. I think companies need to um, need to be, you know, need to adapt with it for sure. Um, I think from a recruitment perspective, I think if you aren't offering some form of flexibility, you're definitely going to struggle, struggle to hire talent. And, you know, people do want that flexibility. And the first time ever in this industry full of dinosaurs, I think we've proved it can work. So I don't think that's ever going to change, ever going to go back. Although I do, you know, you hear of lots of recruiters that are back five days a week. So who knows? No, I think I think you're right. I mean, I'm inclined to I'm inclined to agree with you in the fact that um, I think those businesses that are looking to be innovative, one with their technology and one with their kind of hiring, and they're flexible. I think you're right. They're going to be the ones that pick up the the, the good talent, the ones who are the kind of dinosaurs. And this, and this also slightly, I think, it refers to more the recruitment businesses who are wanting their teams in. You know, I think that for me personally, and this is just my opinion, shows that there's possibly some distrust in the, in your team. Right? You can't. You you want to have that kind of overview. That's that can be the only real reason to have them in the office all the time. Um, beyond kind of giving them some flexible working, so I, you, what you what I suppose, again, what I would see is those those teams would have, and those businesses would eventually just lose really good recruiters. They'll just start to f- filter off to other businesses like like yours or to whoever else is kind of offering them this much more kind of practical way of of kind of of work work and living. Yeah, abs- for sure, and I think we're seeing that already. Yeah. To be honest, so yeah, I agree. We're definitely uh, seeing that. Um, so. Let's look to the future, right? From from a technology perspective, and the things you're working on with your 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 clients and your customers, and the the type of skills that they are requiring. What is it you see from that perspective? You know, for the future, where where's this kind of heading? Is there one type of uh, of kind of skill set or talent that is going to be you know everywhere, or is there something that you think is going to drop off? What, what's your kind of what's your kind of vision of the future? I think all the things that all the areas that we're focused on, I think I can just see continued strong demand. I, I can't see them dropping off anytime soon. I think what's really interesting in terms of if you look at what candidates are looking for, they're looking for those companies where tech is their product. Tech comes first, where they're getting really involved in in interesting projects that's going to expand their knowledge. Um, and their skill sets. They don't want to be going to work on repetitive stuff for some of those dinosaurs. It is probably the newer, more exciting stuff. Um, and so actually companies being attractive to them and, and, and being innovative, even if they are they are a bit, a bit of a, you know, like it's not the most sexy brand in the world. That's the only way they're going to attract them. So that I, th- I see that continuing for sure. Um, I think from, from a candidate perspective, Clients want clients still want to create that culture, so they want them in for the whiteboard stuff. But you know they are going to need to also introduce that remote element, and especially like developers mm-hmm. that quite like sitting and <laughs> in quiet rooms and doing it. You know what I mean at home. Um, you know, you've, I, I just think that's that has changed forever. I think before it was a nice to have, now it's a must. Um, so I think you know the skill set areas that, that we're really focused on. I can't see really 
changing full stop. I think, you know, the I just think what we've seen is where before it would be one software language asked for, they will consider others. They'll look at people with a broader, broader knowledge base. That's been the fundamental shift in the last 12 months because they need people that can come in and can innovate within the project and come up with solutions and ideas um, rather than come in and just pick one part of it. Um, so that's that's been quite noticeable for sure. Um, the, I mean, the, the kind of uh, typical kind of the stereotypical kind of view of developers is they're kind of, you know, they would quite happily be on their own anyway. Um, but, uh, and the fact that actually that move and shift to kind of remote working was probably quite an easy one to do for, for that, for that, that, uh, for that skill set. But what about maybe for the more kind of, um, kind of senior roles the you know that are kind of further up the kind of managerial chain is that something that can that can still be you think can still be done efficiently at home or do you need to be in the office and to manage those teams how does you know how does that kind of that kind of that, that kind of work I think it depends it does depend on what they're doing I think from a managerial perspective it's about pulling people together and going through those whiteboard exercises from from a software engineering perspective and making sure that they're all on page I think in in other areas if if you look at, at the cloud and infrastructure area which is more project led I think there is going, there is a need for for probably a little bit more office working but I don't see why there's any reason why you can't do that in a hybrid environment. If if we can achieve that in a sales environment, there's no reason why you can't achieve that, you know, with a, with a bit of both. Um, so we're seeing much more sort of maybe one to do to do one day a week, two days a month, something like that. You're starting to see that that's crept back into job specs where they do actually want people on site. But it has meant that people will consider it from much further away because it's not such a big task you know if you've only got to go somewhere and maybe stay overnight once or twice a month that that's not so bad as doing it every week so i i can't see what how this maybe i'm wrong but i can't see how it's going to change um we haven't come out of this yet though have we so i don't until we do that's very true um what about the um sorry this i can still see here hear my echo we'll we'll, we'll we'll edit that out um what about the kind of upcoming skill set? So, if you're if you're uh, you know heading into university uh, from a recruitment perspective, what are the skills you you're looking for? Kind of the future skills, maybe with regards to kind of technology. You know, obviously you can't. You, you, we can say blanket developer, but I mean that encompasses you know hundreds and hundreds of t- kind of almost kind of roles. So, is there something that you think is kind of you know, over the next 10, 20 years that is going to be kind of really useful for for, for, for a technology shoot for people to be able to skill up into? I, I did um, I did a webinar a while back and we were looking at gender diversity being like, you know, one of the massive shortages within technology. And I think the what I took away from it was really interesting. We had some really interesting people on it was that a, it's about getting that broader diversity of people interested. Um, it's about getting younger, uh, you know, the kids that are at high school now interested in science-based subjects. Because if you go and do anything science-based at university, the world is 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 your oyster, really. So it's about opening that up and not making that into that sort of scary, sort of fairly dominated environment. Um, so you know, I have I have I have a daughter and a son, and I I am like go and take your sciences take maths take 
try and get them interested in physics and and chemistry and those things because if you have those at university you can pretty much go into anything um i think nowadays kids are being taught really basic coding at school um and if that's what you know that's their want you tend to find that people are really interested it tend to pick it up but i don't know whether you know i don't know how hard it's pushed from then onwards um so i think for me and especially is you know looking at what our business stands for is anything within stem um and i think you'll be fine in terms of where you're headed i think the the challenge is people don't know where to go from there and that comes down to how companies market and how they go out and hire and train and that's probably something that needs to be innovative you know a bit more innovative than it is currently um so interesting enough you you mentioned on kind of diversity um and the again this the, the typical view is that within kind of IT and technology that it's it's quite male dominant is this is that still the case or I mean is that I, I, I would hope there is a move to becoming more diverse generally uh, but are you seeing those kind of those kinds of trends I think it is very much still the case and I think it's just a pure lack of candidates I and that's my point it's about getting them early um one of the one of the comments that came from from one of our panelists was this is it was really interesting you've got to you haven't got to get the children you've got to get the mothers because mothers aren't going to encourage their daughters to go into really male dominated what they perceive as scary environments um they're going to probably send them down a route that's warm and cozy and that that sounds really crazy but it's true so I think you know we definitely you know there's certain part pockets cyber cyber security is is very very few female candidates um we if we encourage and we can get that that diversity in, there's surely going to be um much more of a plethora of candidates where it's really really candidate short at the moment um so that i think that's something as as a, an industry we've we've got to do more about for sure um, and if we kind of revert back to recruitment and recruitment technology and looking forward, uh, what where do you see what the changes there? Or you know, obviously we've kind of this video is everywhere now. Whether it's you know Zoom calls or video interviewing with all the kind of different technologies out there. But what do you think? And do you if you could see anything that's kind of again that's going to bolster all that and kind of coming up. I think um, as a business, we're not afraid to go and try stuff, which I love. Um, we hadn't used video technology prior to. We just actually signed up before COVID hit, so um, it was quite useful, and that's been that's been brilliant. Um, I think the thing that always I always find really interesting about recruitment technology is that nearly every business that's gone out there to disrupt has ended up with recruiters as their biggest um, their biggest client base. <laughs> Because, you know, we're, we're just keen to, to, to find things that just make it quicker and faster. Um, I think that probably the tools that I've I've seen more recently that I found really interesting have been around actually around like there's lots of them out there, by the way. But that that sort of the, the insight tools where you're able to sort of start to build a picture about sectors or geographies or skill sets that can enable you to get there quicker faster um i think i don't think we've really really sort of scratched the surface of that yet i think there's so much online that that, that data that could be utilized for that um i'm not you know i i don't think also that you can see it in in some firms we don't really use ai to its full potential and i believe that that's going to come in and disrupt for sure um 
I think that's always a bit scary for people, but I do believe that that's going to grow in our sector as well. I, d- I don't know how. Don't ask me how. Um, no, I completely agree. Um, it, AI, I, I was going to mention AI, but you, you kind of beat me to it. Um, and it's one of those kinds of technologies that it's, it's difficult to pin down exactly what it what it is and what it would do. Um, but we kind of know it's coming. <laughs> it's already there in pockets it's just not it's not it's not being used really widely at the moment so i don't think we've really unearthed what the opportunity but it has yeah it has to be the next big growth part of our market for sure um uh, melissa it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today what we will do we'll include all of your details in the show notes so if anybody wants to know anything more about this they can get in contact with you uh but for now uh thank you very much it's a pleasure i've really enjoyed it thank you james Thanks for listening. And don't forget, you can subscribe to the Marketing Rules podcast on Apple, Spotify, and all other major podcasting platforms. I've been your host, James Whitelock, and I hope you can join me and more amazing guests next time. The Marketing Rules Podcast is a Thinking Circles production.